everyone, and welcome to the Friday, August 7th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. We're again in my house in Sunnyvale, still quarantined, damn it, but ready to go. My name is Mike Malone, and I've been covering this town longer than anybody. I'm here with our special contributor, Scott Budman, business and tech reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, and our host for this podcast is, again, the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, here, first thing I want to talk about, NASDAQ breaks 11,000. Never has done that before. In the midst of a massive recession, pandemic, economy's pretty much still shut down, and NASDAQ sets a new high. Apple now has a valuation of almost $2 trillion. Yeah. What is going on here? We keep talking about this every week. Uh, it is, it, it, I would say, uh, the pandemic is the biggest story of my lifetime. Yeah. I've given that some thought. Um, economically, I think one of the strangest stories of our lifetimes is what's going on now. Yeah. Um, I have a theory. I'm formulating a theory okay, on good. this. I mean, what you can say, because I haven't really thought of a theory, but I will say this, what we know is that we're kind of broken off into two economies. Yes. The one that is deeply into a recession. The Main, one that is- Main Street. Yeah, the mainstream economy, deeply in recession, deeply concerned about what's going forward. Right. Usually those two things, especially the concern, lead to stock market And falling. we're still hearing, though, we're hearing anecdotal stories, one after another, places going out of business. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening now. But on the other hand, you have five companies Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, right. uh, Microsoft, and Facebook. Those five companies are worth something like six or seven trillion dollars in market value. Yep. They are hiring. They are hiring. Growing. They're earning reports. Driving home prices up in Silicon Valley. Right. And so Still. It's, it's, you know, we know what a bubble is. This is a bubble yeah. of local tech yes. that is really thriving even in the midst of a recession, which, by the way, is a recession that's uh, crippling for most companies that rely on advertising. Right. Um, but for these guys, they are thriving partially. You know, you look at Amazon and say Amazon's never been more important. Yeah. You know, you can look at some of the social media companies or gaming companies, and we can talk about that in a bit. We and, will. You know, yeah. they're thriving because we're using them more. But, um, you know, Apple is a consumer goods company. Uh, Google and Facebook rely on advertising. Um, Microsoft sells software when we buy hardware. How is this all happening so strongly? Yes, and, and why, is, why are the markets so incredibly strong, given that there's 10,000 companies on NASDAQ? Mm -hmm. A lot of them are in trouble right now. So why is NASDAQ going through the roof? And here's my theory. You know, Wall Street tends to look ahead. Okay, and the market's been doing well through all this, I think, because Wall Street said, we're going to come out of this and we're going to, you know, we still have all of that talent and everything pent up that was running strong right before this hit. This is an external force, not an internal failure. Once it comes off, we're going to come back roaring. Seems to me that explained the market up to a month or two ago. But now I think something even bigger is going on. I think, I think market makers out there are looking ahead and saying, the whole world is flattened right now. Mm. Our biggest potential economic competitor, China, 
is facing all sorts of problems, not just, you know, in terms of the, their economy, but they got flooding, they've got internal strife now, they're becoming pariahs in the world. They may be taken off the board. Who else competes with the United States as we come out of this then? These guys may be looking ahead and saying, the United States may once again have global economic hegemony post-pandemic. And we're betting that we win on this. We win big on this when it finally comes around again. All right. I guess, and that's an interesting theory, my devil's advocate would be twofold. One, um, isn't part of the strength of at least some of these companies, I'm thinking Apple, yeah. Microsoft, Tesla, Tesla, isn't a large part of their strength due to China, which is pretty much post-pandemic, unlike us, yeah. and able to buy consumer goods like iPhones and electric cars more so than us because a larger base of their consumer population is not struggling under recession. We have right. some people here in the Valley that are like, oh, the Model Y? Heck yeah, I'll put in an order for that. Or the new iPhone, you know, yeah. Right. But, but a large portion of us yeah, are not. I think you're looking, if you look at China, I mean, you've seen the satellite photos of the Three Gorges Dam. I mean, things are getting scary over there. They're putting a million Muslim people in the concentration camps. That's true. The world's That's looking true. at this going, Wait a minute. Maybe right. we don't want Silk Road. Maybe we don't want China interfering in our economies. And I think there's this kind of international revulsion about China right now. Apple's moving stuff to India. That's true. You know, uh, you might be right. Maybe China comes roaring back in a big way. But I think right now the betting's against it. The second part of mine didn't have to do with China, but with the United States. Yeah. Um, are people really forecasting that we are going to come out of this stronger than ever? It I, seems like we, and I only, you Well, know, I mean, the evidence, unless, I don't see any other reason for the markets to be doing this right now. You've got to true. believe it's that true. there's something robust sitting out there, or there's some potentiality that we have that the EU doesn't have anymore, Russia doesn't have anymore, India kind of has, and right. China's in trouble. And, and I guess my only question would be, uh, to what you say is, is it United States as a whole that people are feeling optimistic about even even at, at the other end of this pandemic, or is it just these five companies? Well, can they lift the market right. that much? And, and we saw, you know, last week you and I talked about Google first ever revenue drop. Right, Because it's so, right, from ads. Um, is that the canary in the coal mine? Is that the first step to where this recession catches up to these five companies? Which it has not yet. I mean, no. give all these companies credit, and they're all doing it with people working from home. Yes. Which is new <laughs> Yeah, and surprising. I mean, I, I driving up 280, you look over at the parking garage for the, you know, the Death Star. <laughs> Nobody's at Apple. Right. It's, it's amazing. Okay, uh, TikTok. Boy, they've had an interesting week. Speaking so, of China, US Speaking of China. Yeah. yeah, well, and that seems to, it seems to me that embodies what everybody's concern is, that China just couldn't, let TikTok get rich and important. It started mining information. You know, I mean, it's like, what are they doing? It, it, it's, you almost get this deep sense that they have, they have a much bigger plan, which they always do. You know, they have their 500 year plan, but now there's the backlash. We now have an executive order. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is kind of cons publicly concerned about this, that you, know, you, have the, you have the president of the United States stepping in and saying, 
you're you're going to sell your U.S. operations. You got 45 days to do it, or we shut you down. Yeah, there's so much to unpack about this TikTok thing. For one thing. Mark Zuckerberg might be rubbing his hands in glee. Yeah. TikTok is Facebook's number one competitor with yeah. a bullet. And yeah. Instagram's number one competitor. Uh -huh. President Trump is attacking it. Is he attacking TikTok? And let's face it, TikTok isn't the only app mining data. Okay. China is not the only country yeah. mining data. Every app out there does it. Sure. He's focusing on TikTok, I think, because of the China implications here. Right, exactly. And, and now, in the last 24 hours, it's WeChat as well. WeChat another too. Big one. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there are others. If, if the Trump administration were to really pay attention, there are not only other Chinese apps mining data, but plenty of American apps and apps from oh, all sure. over the world mining your data. It's a big problem right. if you care about privacy for you or your children on their phones at all. Uh, but that said, um, what's also interesting is Trump saying, okay, go buy TikTok, at least the American assets of it. Right. We have ByteDance, which is the parent company. And those of you of a certain generation may remember musically. That's what this app was before it was TikTok. Also very popular with young right. people, as TikTok is now. So we have TikTok, ByteDance, the Chinese company owns it. ByteDance is saying, we will sell off the American assets. Yes. And we'll stay in China and TikTok can stay in America and we'll collect tens of billions of dollars. How much of that money goes to the US government? Has that ever happened? Yeah, no, it hasn't happened. <laughs> I was going to say. And I know the government has invested in company, solar, it invested in Tesla, it's invested in sure. our banks, our automakers, airlines, all that stuff. But to say... That's a different arrangement. Exactly. Yes. And that's to sort of help it. It's or not like getting royalty checks. Right. Yeah. TikTok and Microsoft don't need bailouts. Right. This would be... Uh, almost a finder's fee or something? Yeah. What is it? Well, let's talk about Microsoft. I mean, when I first heard this, I said, well, who will buy them? Facebook? And then all of a sudden this player comes in, Microsoft. Right. It's like, Microsoft? What are they doing in the game? Well, we're hearing that TikTok could have a $50 billion value. I don't yeah. exactly know where that comes now from. Now the rumor is Google might try for it right. for $60 billion. There are a small number of companies that can afford to shell that out. Yes. Especially for a social network. Let's take Facebook off the table for a moment. Social networks have had tens of billions of dollars in valuations and haven't panned out. Right. Some of them have just gone away. Exactly. The latest thing becomes the former sure. thing. So we don't know that TikTok will even stick around as wildly popular and, and as yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's one of these kids' fads. Right, so you need a company that can spend 50, 60 billion on something that may or may not be around for a while. That right. lowers the company, the number. Facebook off the table, that would be my goodness, the antitrust implications there would be ridiculous. Yes. Um, you know, Twitter certainly not. I don't think Twitter has the money for it. Apple and Microsoft and Google. And Google. What do they all have in common besides incredible bank accounts? They've all tried and kind of failed in social networking. Yes, they have. TikTok gives you a They buy a turnkey success. one, yeah. Right. Um, now, is the purchase going to be... Now, the other rumor is, swirling around, it's not just for the U.S. operations. It's buying TikTok outright by the whole company. Ah. That's, those rumors have just been starting to bubble up. What would President Trump say about that, admitting that you're buying a Chinese-owned company? I have no idea. <laughs> if I knew what President Trump was going to say. Stand by for tweets. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. So everybody's now seems to be in the race recognizing that a new generation is emerging coming out of this pandemic of young people. Sure. with entirely different priorities and interests who have been 
immersed. They've been marinated. I mean, they're always on social networks, but now they've been marinated in social networks for half a year, which is a sizable section of their lives. Are they going to be a different market? And do you have to go after them in a different way? I mean, this could be signaling a massive realignment of the entire social networking world. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that encouraged me as a uh, former political science student, as someone who <laughs> follows politics, is whether you were for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, whether you were for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney before, all of those candidates, and, and you know, we have different yeah. economic backgrounds, different ages, all set, all really hit social media hard because right. they wanted young people to vote. Some did it very awkwardly, some more successfully than others, but, uh, you know, President Trump, I think, spent more ad dollars on Facebook than on TV networks, or at least close. Doesn't surprise me. And I think um, he probably will again. Uh, the same with Joe Biden. And we're talking people in their 70s who are desperate to try to get young people to the polls. And how do they do that? Um, instead of just hoping that those young people are watching television programs with their parents, which yeah, they're not. They're not. They're, ho they're reaching out to social media. And so you're right. Um, this now becomes a crucial tool, not just for us news people to get the news out or for celebrities to say, watch my new whatever, yeah. but for candidates to try to get people to the polls. And, and that's a good use of it, if it's accurate and yes, you know, somehow true. Yeah. Something's changing. Uh, you feel it underneath your feet. It's, things are too, whenever things get really crazy, last time I felt things were this crazy was 2000 in 2001 when the bubble burst and the yeah. economy crashed and then it was 68. This is a crazy time and crazy times always signal a major realignment of almost everything we know. And I think we're gonna come out of this. I think these giant companies are already sensing that the realignment's begun and they've gotta be in front and they've got all this cash to burn to try to, to, to make a run at the brass ring. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft in a lot of ways would be a surprising suitor for TikTok, I get yeah. Um, one of the things that Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, has done very successfully is say, look, let's stop flirting with consumer technology. We don't do it very well. Yeah. Let's stick to what, you know, dance with who brought us, which is software. And he's right. done it extremely well. You know, the Xbox is sort of an anomaly, an outlier, but they do that very well. If they were to buy this, it would be a surprise. But again, they're one of a very few companies that can afford to pony up that cash for something that is very, very hot right now. Well, let's keep going on Microsoft. It's a, a company we haven't talked about too much over the last year. Samsung. Samsung just yep. came out with its new iPhones, right? Well, you know. trying to compete with iPhones. Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm sorry, ahead of iPhones or beating iPhones to the market. A thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks. Right. I mean, are you going to spend that kind of money for a phone? I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know. Right. Maybe now. you are now that you're quarantined. Or, or if so much of your business is done in Asia where the consumer is coming back maybe faster than it is here. Yes, true. But Samsung, we'll talk about strange bedfellows, Samsung and Microsoft. Microsoft is suddenly becoming the most interesting company in America. Sure. And Samsung has always been, we've talked to this before, these guys are the great risk takers. You know, they've got to, to compete against Apple. Well, as Apple becomes, you know, Apple's always vertically integrated, but it's getting more and more Microsoft and Samsung seem to be holding hands now, working together. You know, you can run, you know, you can run your tablet. Samsung tablet is a second display for your Windows PC. You can manage some apps on your Windows 10 
computer off of your Samsung phone. There's an interesting tying together going on between those two companies. And it may just because they have a mutual enemy and they're trying to survive. But mutual enemies in, in both Apple and Google when it comes to yes. hardware and software. And you're right, I mean, Microsoft uh, admittedly uh, was late to the smartphone game. Yeah. And then tried to do it on, it on its own very awkwardly. But again, it does software very well. So it makes sense to say, okay, we've got to find a way to put our technology into smartphones because everyone's got them. They're not going to buy the Windows phone, as we found out, right. but they'll, they'll certainly buy Android phones buy and Android. Samsung phones. And so if they can get a, a foothold into um, the mobile market, uh, you know, the, so the way they the got into So what the 2020s become, we think of, it's all, we always think of consumer or we think of hardware platforms and all that. What if this, this decade is the war of the ecosystems? I think we had that last decade. I guess we kind of did, didn't we? But Microsoft wasn't much of a player. No, but now, right now, it's it's Android with everybody. It's back to it's back to the '90s, which is Apple. We're the we're the enclosed system. We got we got everything for you, you know. And then we got the whole Android universe, and now we've added, you know, and Samsung's in there, and everybody, Microsoft. Everybody's playing. Well, Microsoft got a foothold in the PC business with uh, its chips, or excuse me, its software paired with Intel, right? Yeah, right. And then, you know, you started to see Windows machines, and they're still around. Uh, Microsoft didn't really get into the mobile game as quickly as it needed to, right, it but did. now it's doing it. And Samsung is not a bad partner because Samsung's so giant. I mean, you know, at, at the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, Samsung always had the biggest booth. Yeah, it's like their own pavilion. Right, but before you saw the phones, or even the laptops, you saw the dryers, you know, and the washers, and yeah. it was like, what are, these guys you're, have their hands in everything. Yeah, your classic Asian vertically, ultimate, exactly. yeah, all the way to your, yeah, to toilets. Toilets right. to supercomputers. They had all of those things, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, media, media's changing fast. Roku, you know, whenever you think you're, you're doing something unique, because literally, the other day, I thought, we wiped out Netflix. We wiped out every other. Let's go. I got a Roku box that I've never really used. So I went up and I blew the dust off it, hooked it up to the TV, signed up for Acorn so I can watch all the British detective shows. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm really a kind of a out here solo. Who uses Roku anymore? And then all of a sudden, you sent me a note last night. Roku users stream 14.6 billion hours of content in three months. Yeah, and, and everybody got right. the idea. That's, I, I think that's a big number. I mean, I tried to find out some of the other companies, you know, whether it's Hulu or Stream or uh, uh, what's the other one? Anyway, there are so many out there. Right. Um, you know, there's certainly Apple and Amazon and Disney. And I don't know how many Netflix, obviously. But yeah, that seems like a large number for Roku, which has always been sort of a side competitor. Like, hey, we've got a little gadget. Yeah. We can help you with the, uh, the Wi-Fi. And, and they've real, become a, a real major loyal player. users, but a very small number, like a little cohort of fanatics for Roku. Yeah, they might be my winner of the week. I mean, they're a Wall Street darling now. Yeah. Uh, you know, really strong earnings and clearly benefiting from this trend of us being at home. And, and it's a simple technology. It's right. easy to plug in. doesn't take a lot of brains for people like me. Uh, <laughs> Disney. Okay, so streaming. They're streaming numbers. Disney Plus is great right now. And they're gonna they're gonna bring Mulan to Disney. Yeah, this is interesting Plus, because for thirty bucks. Right. You know, Hamilton came to Disney Plus. Yes. If you had Disney Plus, you could right. just stream Hamilton. That was a big event. 
But Hamilton, I believe Disney bought it for about $75 million. Yeah. So that's pocket change for Disney. That doesn't make it a big movie. Mulan, Mulan. is a, what they call a tentpole movie yes, it is. for Disney. That's $200, $300 million. There's an entire generation of little girls right. who grew up watching Mulan. And now they've got the live action, and that's a, I mean, this is a home run, potentially. Yeah. But for the fact that it's not going to be in theaters. And Disney fessing up to that and saying, okay, it's going to put it on Disney Plus is a good move. What's then getting yeah. all the attention is that they say, even if you have Disney Plus, you got to shell out 30 bucks to watch it. Uh-huh. Look at that in a couple different ways. One, wait a minute, I'm already a subscriber and I have to pay? Yes. Two, let's say, hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. you're a dad with a couple of daughters who grew up on Mulan. Yeah. You know... I'm going to the theater and I'm going to shell out more than 30 bucks to see That's this true. Movie. If there was a That's theater. That's true. Version. If there was a theater. So now you're like, all right, I don't have okay, Disney well, Plus. It's kind of I don't a have deal. Disney. All of a sudden I'm thinking this may be worth not only jumping on board, but the 30 bucks because, you know, you're. And it, it just it makes sense if you get in the mindset of this is how we now premiere movies. Big yeah, movies. but, you know, Disney is making, I think they're making the best out of a fairly bad deal. You know, right. they would say, oh, it's Mulan's coming to Disney Plus, and it's exciting and all that. But the reality is kind of a Hail Mary. What else were they going to do with it? Right. You know, it's not going first And you know they spent hundreds run. of millions of dollars to, to put it out there. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's this is, um, I think, more important for Disney. You know, Disney But all earnings. those dads may decide, after they go through the experience of shelling out the 30 bucks, and they get to go in the other room. You know, and have a beer while the daughters are watching the movie instead of sitting in the theater dozing off in the dark. They made us like, you know, I kind of like this model. Yeah, and give Mulan some credit. It was a good action flick, even as a cartoon. I was, was, I was riveted. It was a good cartoon. Yes, you it know was. who also wins here if this model works for Disney, yeah. which, by the way, saw no park revenue. Oh, yeah, no, no you place know, in the park. ABC's numbers have to be down because it's rough for advertising. Right. Um, but streaming numbers were way, way up. Yeah. So if this continues to roll for Disney, um, and we start saying, okay, we're even going to see our tentpole movies, the big ones that we normally go to a yeah. theater because we want to be on a date or see a big yeah, sound system. Yeah, and that's system. why they went to the theaters. And going to theaters is expensive. You've right. got distribution problems. Well, and the and reason else. you shell out extra money is for the experience, the yeah. sound, the big screen. So, okay, maybe TV sales start to go up. Maybe sound systems and home stereo start to go up. Sure. Because we want that experience at home. If I'm going to shell out 30 bucks for a movie, which I would anyway in a theater, right. and I have to do it at home, maybe the home theater becomes the new thing. I mean, it's already a thing, but even yeah, a Yeah, but I mean, it becomes a widespread thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Who knows? Okay, uh, Nintendo profits up 400%. Boy, if you, you, know, you didn't see this coming, but if you were the beneficiary of this and you're a company, boy, you're having a great time. I mean, Nintendo, goodness. Like, there's a name we haven't heard in a while. Yeah. A 400% because of this thing. Yeah. Wow. I had to read it twice on the Nintendo? Yeah. Okay, uh, this just came over the wires. Uh, Intel had a security breach. Intel's having a rough month. Yes. Yeah. They lost 20 gigabytes of, of documents, many of them marked top secret. Uh, get ready for all sorts of crazy hacking going on in the next few months. If those guys got all that source code and everything else, uh, you know, will Intel microprocessors be safe? I mean, 
when, when the when the bad karma comes, it comes in you know in well, buckets full. And this is a bucket for Intel. You know, Intel has struggled in the past largely because the market for chips was down. Yeah, Intel's kind of in its own suffering. Yeah, I mean, how much if you're looking from wherever you're looking, if you're Andy Grove, to see. AMD with a hundred dollar stock price. Oh, I think we talked about this. What if <laughs> Intel becomes a second source for AMD? Wow. I mean, I'm glad, Jerry, it, I'm glad Jerry Sanders is still alive <laughs> to appreciate. He fought 40 years to make AMD a yep. legitimate player and they're winning. I mean, their CEO, Lisa Su, is a rock star. Yep. You look over at NVIDIA, Jensen Wong, NVIDIA's market cap is higher than Intel's. Yeah. This is a rough week, rough month for Intel. Uh, ruling coming any day now on Lyft and Uber drivers being reclassified as employees. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, that, you know, that'll be pretty devastating to the gig economy. Uh, uh, Anthony Lewandowski, we talked about him a while back, the former Google engineer who took the trade secrets and, and took them to a rival. He uh, got 18 months in prison. This is one of those stories that's a big headline when it happens, and then when the resolution comes six, eight months later, it's on page D8 of the newspaper. You know, it's interesting. Lewandowski is so brilliant. Um, it was one thing to steal trade secrets when they were on paper and you could shred them. Yeah. You know, back in the Soviet oh, spy I, days. Or I remember lawyers would go up in front of judges and say, Your Honor, my client's accused of stealing $2 million worth of trade secrets, but all he stole was his spool of mylar tape. Right. And the judge would go, well, that's only worth like 10 bucks. Yeah. But even now, I mean, data is everywhere. It's driverless cars. It's artificial intelligence. How could you possibly get away with any of this stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know how Lewandowski didn't see this day coming. Well, he's got a lot of time to think about yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I want to do a book. I occasionally do book reviews. Okay. And I got this tome. It's a 700-page book. It landed on my doorstop <laughs> the other day. And the cover is an is a parody of the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs cover, black and white, guy staring out. And I happen to know him very well. I went to college with D. Scott Appel. And Scott, if you're listening, I'm going to review your book. It's called No Plan B. Uh, in fact... And this will give you an idea of what Scott's like. The title is No Plan B, Adventures of a Carbon Unit in Silicon Valley. Uh, how I Made a Million Dollars in High-Tech Startups, basically by just showing up. Scott, this valley has needed this book for a long, long time. It's, Scott's a guy. He's, one, he's us. This guy, he's a brilliant guy. He's funny. All of his life, his dream was be a famous novelist, okay? And he bought into the Silicon Valley notion that there should never be a plan B. You know, you hear all Zuckerberg and you hear Elon and all that say, you don't, have, you don't need a plan B. You just go give everything to plan A. But what happens when plan A doesn't pan out? You've got no plan B. And so this is the story of a guy 50 years in the valley. He grew up here. He worked at Frontier Village as a kid. And he's telling his life story of working for Lockheed, working for startups, but always in the engine room. He never wanted to make it to the top through these things. He just wanted to live enough to do his work, his creative work. 50 years later, you know, he was the oldest guy at Dalton Bookstore, a clerk. He's the guy that knows everything when you, when you go in and ask, but you're thinking, what's this guy doing here? 
worked for tons of companies. Always, never, it never went for stock or anything else. He gives us, a, and because he's such a good writer, he's found, finally found his book. He gives us a glimpse of life in the cubicle like I've never seen before. And it's funny and he calls it as it is and he's brilliant enough, he can see through everything, including himself. And ironically, he ends up in his 60s at Apple as their movie guy ah. for iTunes, writing up all the things. And he discovers one day as he is, he's approaching retirement, or basically being asked to leave, uh, that they gave him stock when he was first hired. And the book has a happy ending because he's got a bunch of Apple stock and he goes and moves to Hawaii. And I've never read a book quite like this. This is every, every great historic period has a, has a diarist who keeps this diary, not expecting anybody to ever read it. And they become the source material. A hundred years from now, 200 years from now, this book is gonna still be looked into by PhD students and everything else yeah. for what was life really like. Not the Mark Zuckerbergs, not the Steve Jobs. For every one of them, there's 100,000 of us in traffic on 85, trying to make a mortgage and, and just dreaming of one day making it, the brass ring, and we never quite get it. This guy, has, Scott, has written the book, and it's hilarious, it's devastating, it's all those things. It's way too long, but... <laughs> Just dip into it. It's on Amazon. I was going to say, where do we find it? Yeah, he, he self-published it on Amazon. Uh, Scott, if you're listening, and I, I suspect you are, here's your jacket quote from me. Silicon Valley has finally found its Samuel Peeps. People are going to be reading this for what it was like to live and work in Silicon Valley generations from now. Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.